Alrighty. Hello, hello. This is the Ian Prendercast, another Carlton podcast, and we're brought to you as always by 121 Media and MGA. We're here to chat Carlton pop culture, dead celebrities, and lots of stuff either side of that. I turn to my co-host. He's got a bone to pick with Metro Trains, I believe. <laughs> uh, it's the good doctor, Timbo Slice. Shawnee boy, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? you issue of the Hurstbridge line yesterday, I saw... I ended up driving in. Yep. So I uh, was it the prime dumbass move where I I was picking up a car that had been serviced in Thornbury. And I picked it up at like four thirty in the afternoon and I'd planned to meet friends at like six. Mm. So the clear move was get ready to go to the footy, pick up your car, mm-hmm. drive straight to Heidelberg Station, get in early. That didn't happen. I drove home, and if you know what Fitzsimmons Lane is like at the best of times, trying to drive from Heidelberg to uh, to Donvale. Yeah, that um, the roadworks there have. I don't think they've improved things as much as they would like. Probably not. There's a lot of people that use that route though. That, and no, there there are, yeah. and it's yeah. It's, and trying to do turns and clear the intersection and all that sort of stuff, it's a bit problematic. It's like I actually don't know if, particularly once you get down to sort of the Eltham side, I actually don't know if getting rid of the roundabouts actually made a material difference. Possibly not. And even the Fitzsimmons Lane roundabout, like, eh, has it actually? I don't think it has. But at a great expense, and someone's obviously cleaned up to to build the project. Well, the fascinating thing is once upon a time it would have been a standard intersection and they made it a roundabout and now they're recanting on it. But anyway, <laughs> we, we digress. We need a traffic engineer in the room. We do. What we need. Well, you say that and it's funny you say that because why isn't that my plane? Oh, I've turned it down. Hold on. Of course, we're joined by... Oh, no, we're not. <laughs> we'll be without the big man this week. He's attending to some family business. So we wish him and the tribe all the best. Uh, hopefully be back on deck next week, uh, but we're without the big Faba Ganoush uh, for this particular record. That's not to say we won't shit-can him at times and <laughs> poke fun at him and, it's a and right, the like. rite of passage. He should expect nothing less, to be honest. But uh, no, no, send him some well wishes and give him a virtual cuddle. But uh, yeah, we love, we love the big man and family is very, very important and he's been through a very, very, very trying week and we send him all our love and we hope Kel's good and next week goes as well as it can as well. No, I agree. Um, we've got some ratings and reviews we've got to review this week. Beautiful. Um, so we, we say this to people, you know, we always love the reviews and they certainly help us out. So thanks to everyone who listens and has rated and reviewed us in the past. If you haven't, please do because uh, it, it does do wonders with the algorithm and the like. Uh, and it just looks good on our little landing page there too. Um, so we've got one here from Podcast Concierge 24-7. I like it how the names are becoming more and more, like, strange. <laughs> uh, so you'll know who you are, but no one else will. The pool has shallowed. <laughs> yeah, well, usually it started off with, like, Junior and, like, David Redby, and you're like, awesome, yeah, we know these names. And now they're just, like, they're almost like capture 
It's titles. like Elon Musk's kids' name. Yeah, you're like, who? Well, okay. So podcast concierge 24-7, you'll get a shout-out, and only you will appreciate the shout-out. Uh, yeah, the boys, three interesting guys having a great chat about many things Melbourne-based, plus the Carlton Football Club, never afraid to give honest and thoughtful opinions. This is one of the best places to listen to great analysis of the Carlton Football team and their results. Thank you very much, podcast concierge. We hope you enjoy today's show. Old PC. Old PC 24-7. Um, Prender DJ, there is no Prender DJ for last week as such. Um, no one really has it at a guess, which is fine. I sort of hope that segment kind of dies out. But uh, we will be doing Prender DJ as per. So if you do like to, there's, a, yeah, there's usually a handful of the same types, same, same names who like to have a crack year on year, week on week. So that'll still be there available for you. Just hashtag Prender DJ to guess the theme of the song. Um, we're, of course, going to go now into probably my favourite uh, segment. Yes. Ah, we're making good time here. You know how this works, Tim. We've been doing this now for a couple of weeks at least. You are familiar with the format, yes? I am, and I believe I've lost a lifeline. Uh, yeah, you have actually. <laughs> you have lost a lifeline, but you haven't used him anyway. No, this is true. So you technically haven't really lost anything. You've always gone the coward's 50-50. <laughs> this is true. All right, we ready? Yep. I reckon you'll know this one. Okay. Born in 1888, Frenchman Roland Garros was known for and won a claim because of his feats in what field? Fuck. <laughs> Are you, you're, you're, you're dogging, you're, you're playing with me. I reckon you know it. A, as an aviator or a fighter pilot. B, as an academic. C, as a politician. Or D, as a tennis player and official. I can feel the tension. I feel like that, uh, feel the tension in the air, like uh, eastbound and down. I have used this line before. Yeah. Ironically, in a very, very similar oh, no. format. Eddie, I've got to say, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to take my... Fi- I, I have an opinion. I have an opinion on what you're telling me. Yep. But I'm going to reserve it until you give me my 50-50. Okay. So the 50-50 will knock out B, an academic. Yep. And D, you see, that's disappointing because I, I thought it was far too easy. You thought it was a trick question. Monsieur Roland Garros yep. being a tennis player or official. So I thought that was that was the herring, the red yep. herring. Your logic is sound. So I was really hoping that it would survive and I was happy to bet against it. My initial thinking was I reckon the dude's a politician. Okay. Is what I thought. But if we're sitting there and we're looking at an aviator and we're looking at a politician. I mean, unless where the tennis stadium is, is the location of a former airfield or something like that, and they've gone, let's let's provide a bit of a shout out to the the history yep. of the uh, of the area and all yep. that sort of stuff. I find See, this it, is what we wanted from the segment. We wanted Tim's stream I've, of consciousness. I'm just finding an aviator. working through it. An aviator is just such a stretch. So I, and and this is one of the iconic events of the world. You know what I love? I love that you've almost triple guessed yourself. I have. So I I am I am absolutely 
I'm absolutely committed to saying C. Monsieur Roland Garros yep. was a politician. You're locking that in? Oh, look, I'm locking it in, okay. but I am shit scared old mate was an ace from the fucking whatever he was, First World War. Yeah. He's locked in C. Politician Roland Garros, born in 1888 in Saint Denis. Do they call it an ace? <laughs> he was born in Sandini. He was a car dealer Fuck at, at one point early on in his life before launching headlong into the, not even an industry, I suppose, but the field in which he would launch and get, some, get his acclaim. That's wrong. That's him. wrong. I don't even know what it means. He was an aviator and a fighter pilot. So he was an ace. Yes. So Is that why we call it an ace? I don't think Please so. Please tell me. Maybe. I don't think so. But, so basically, um, born in 1888 in Sandini, Car dealer at one point um, became enraptured with uh, aviation, the early embryonic stages of aviation at the turn of the century. I think he went to like an air show and he yeah. was obviously quite um, good with his hands and with gadgets and stuff. And sure. he became besotted with aviation, ended up um, becoming the first man to fly across the Mediterranean, which he did in 1913. And notably, he adapted uh, and invented the first ever single seater fighter plane, which was used in World War I. Uh, which was equipped with an onboard machine gun, wow, eh? which was mounted at the rear of the plane and would shoot uh, not through the either side of the tail. Yeah, like um, Indiana Jones. <laughs> Indiana <style>. Jones. <laughs> uh, Funnily enough, he would become a prisoner of war following a skirmish in 1915. Yes, He's, he was uh, captured there for three years. He was in a German sort of POW camp. Uh, he escaped captivity by disguising himself as a German officer. Um, in it's nine... like, a, uh, like an episode of Hello, Hello. <laughs> this guy's life is actually quite interesting. Um, so he escaped captivity in 1918, returned to the front lines, returned to combat, returned to the air, uh, and was sadly killed later that year in a dogfight. So I think he claimed four scalps. Yes. Which is um, wonderful. Uh, is that why you need four points to win a game? I think so. I think so. <laughs> He's putting all the pieces together after the fact. Um but uh, in 1928, when the stadium was built to host a Davis Cup tie, yes, in which the French well, they were defending champions, uh, an old friend of his was sort of like a a minister for sport or a whatever politician, something of that effect. Fucking see, Eddie uh, was a was a, a a mate of Roland Garros's and named the complex wow. after him. But I actually think it's kind of like a fun, like quirky, very French. That's an amazing piece of trivia. But it's a very French. We've named it after this guy who was actually had nothing to do with tennis. Apparently, he liked playing rugby and um, played a bit of soccer and stuff. But it wasn't like he was an ace junior or whatever. Yeah, he was yeah. just friends of a guy who was in a position to, at some point in time, later down the track, name this arena after him. It's quite honourable, though. Like he, and they decided he, he, to honour... It's a little bit like Sir Edward Weary Dunlop. A little he, bit. He, he had... Name the f- shoes after him. Is that, there you go. I didn't even know that one either. <laughs> and the tyre. <laughs> uh, but no, quite a... I like that. I liked your rationale. And that's... This is, to be honest with you, we don't do this to make a fool out of Tim. We do this because of... I want to get exactly what we got out of him. Well, the funny thing is politicians seem too easy. It seemed too obvious, but I just couldn't find the link for an aviator. See, I liked... I liked the... It's like a surreal... You're kind of like 1888, you're like, geez, he would have been like he was 20, you know, he was sort of in yeah, that. That vintage. He's in that kind of, or 30, I should have been sort of in that range. You're like, geez, they were flying planes. It's about then. 
like, uh, but it was that we, we got that beautiful stream of consciousness that we want out of Timbo when we do these um, <laughs> Who Wants to Be a Millionaire exercises. <laughs> the <bald> dash. <laughs> the Boulder Dash masterstroke. Um, that is his masterpiece, really. And he almost, <laughs> almost happened almost across the right answer. <laughs> which, uh, I don't know. I, I like it when it happens, but I also sort of like it when it doesn't. <laughs> no, that was good. If I enjoyed you, that. I enjoyed like, that. To be honest with you, I hate it more like the first time around when you actually know the answer. Like the old mate, uh, the... Jesse Ventura. Jesse Ventura. When you the, actually just get the answer, you know it. Well, I, I knew it before you even asked That's it. That's no fun. Yeah. Whereas if, if you kind of happen across the answer just by deduction and by process of elimination and all that, it's like, oh, yeah, it's fine. I can handle that. Uh, do we want to talk about the football, Timbo? Well, I figure that's what we're here for, but... Um... Lockie O'Brien's kick. <laughs> <laughs> that's a shout-out to old mate Les Grossman on Twitter, you... You know what you are. Um, we won't go on about that because it's actually unimportant in the long run. It, look, it is. It is, but it was... It was I that should mean the, the actual... The moment of play was not unimportant. The conversation around it oh, is look, unimportant. And, and look, I'm, I'm going to put words in your mouth. Please. And, and you can either agree or disagree. I think the reality is there's always going to be a lot of support and love for Lockie O'Brien coming from this podcast because we see Lockie for what he is. He's our boy. He, he He's our boy and his strengths are his run and his kicking. We've long said it. And in a moment in a game where there wasn't a lot of open space and open opportunity and free play, with a, a one-goal lead and, what, 90 seconds on the clock, we got out when we pretty much hadn't got out all, almost all day and you're in the hands of the guy who'd been the starting sub. He was fresh. He was ready to run. He was ready to hit a target. Harry got the break on his opposition. He was clear. And it was it was just a matter of when will you hit him and where will you hit him and what do we have to do after that? And in the end, as we know, it didn't happen. I thought that Lockie's... I thought he should have made the first decision and hit him sooner than he tried to hit him. But in the end, the decision that Lockie made was perfect. He would have gotten the ball to his key forward, who is a former Coleman medalist, with a shot for goal, the opportunity to burn 30 seconds. You're going to most likely score. God, he's, he's, God forbid if he would have missed from there. But he sent him to the boundary, which if the ball goes to ground, or it's out of, hopefully it's out, out of play. play. Yep. Go. Yeah, yeah, look, he could have kicked it to him earlier. Does it get to him? Does it bounce? How does it affect that? What does Harry do with the ball next? He also could have turned back and gone C-shape. Yep. He could have run square to the boundary and held things up. He could have done three, four, five different things. But don't hang the bloke who went on the run and hit the target. Made made a decision, hit the target, executed as he, he hit, needed to. He hit the target. Harry falls over. You can control only so much. Yep. He gets two hands to the follow-up, crosses the ball. You know, blaming the guy that found him in a nest of Tigers for what should have been an uncontested chess mark, it feels a bit rich. Oh, look, and, and as you say, he completely holds his feet. <coughs> as you said, it's a chess mark. Even if he has to jump and mark it on his chest, take it in the hands, whatever it is. Might he, get a chop in the arms. Yeah, look, I don't even think they would have gotten close enough to him no, they to have even been able no. to affect it. When, when you look at the still of where he is, like obviously it was a desperate effort to try and get two hands to it and he was basically trying to take a mark off his knees, which clearly isn't the right no. preparation and approach. But um, I felt sorry for Lockie because I thought 
you get you get one quarter to show your wares. I just felt sorry for him. And your one moment to impact the game, you pretty much did everything that everybody asked of you. I felt bad for him because I thought, as has happened in certain quarters, I thought there'll be people that scapegoat you for this. There was a lot of people that you would be looking at for not delivering what we needed to get the result that we wanted. Mm. Ahead of Lockie O'Brien. 100%. And some um, of our favourites too. Special shout out to Michael De Bruyne. Hope I'm saying that right. Um, Inga's brother, of course. Um, <laughs> he put together one of the finest tweets I've ever seen. He put together a Pythagorean chart. Uh, <laughs> I haven't seen it. It was, it was brilliant. And he basically, it was very, very funny. And I love the thought and effort put into it. And look, it kind of contextualised. When he first gets the ball, he's a long way. They're yeah. a long way apart. Well, he's very close to the boundary line. And they've got to do some running, blah, blah. He basically put together this chart, and it was very funny as to say, he's, you're, you're, you needed him, you're wanting him to kick the ball 70 metres. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. So shout out to him. That was absolutely excellent. Gave me a very, very good laugh. Um, how do we appraise the result and performance? You know, and ultimately in the cold light of day, a day removed and a night of sleep removed, what do both mean for us in 2023? And, and I go to you, Timbo, with... I said as much on Twitter last night, and some people didn't like it, which was interesting. I thought it was, for once, it was a, a relatively benign um, sort of piece of perspective, I thought. Where I thought, look, we're probably a middle-of-the-road team. We're probably a, a 7-12 to 12 team. Um, we might win 12 games, 13 games of the 23. That might get us in the 8. That might have us just missing. I can't help but think... That's and Richmond. That's where they are as well. We'll be duking it out with them over the course of a year for maybe the last one or two spots in the eight. And if a few things go our way, if we could hold our nerve, we might sneak in. But based on what I've seen throughout preseason, what I saw last night, <coughs> I'm I can't with any certainty say we're a fifth or sixth place team. I take your point, Sean, and I know. And I love you dearly. I know that you will always have a more pessimistic view oh. of reality than exists. Oh, what? Equally, I thought you were going to say that you, not just <laughs> equally, like... Equally, equally, I will always look for the positive in a lot of situations. So I really, really um, battled with what did I actually take away from that game? Because... My first thought is we should have had more wherewithal and composure to be able to find a way to win. Especially given our history. And and the way that we finished the season, it was a great opportunity to exercise a few demons and say, there you go, fellas, hold your nerve, trust in the process, we're better than you thought we were, we can deliver when it matters. We didn't lose, but we didn't win. So it, it's a little bit unsatisfactory. Um I think it. I think the hardest thing is, what can any supporter expect from their team in round one of a season? You know, we we don't play a pre a formal preseason competition leading into the season the way that we did up until what four years ago. So what you see in round one is um, can be very very subjective. What you want to see is you want to see a game style, you want to see structure, you want to see effort, you want to see that you've had a good good preseason and you're ready to compete. You know what you want to see? You want to see evolution and improvement. Correct. And I, I don't. I didn't walk away from last night. There were elements where you thought, and we're going to talk about the um, uh, the defence, both 
uh, holistically and individually. Well, and, and that was the thing. My takeaway was we were very respectful of Richmond's ability to be able to move the ball fast and hurt us. Were we too respectful for too long? I, I think we were. I, I think I think I think ultimately there was a balance between defence and attack, and we erred too far on defence. But I thought our setup and the way that we controlled the game and we limited the opposition's ability to be able to impact us. At what cost? Well, at the cost of at the cost of our ability to be able to score, but we'll go on to other elements with mm. regards to offense that was really dissatisfying because I thought I thought we set up well. I thought we defended well. I think both individually and collectively. There was a couple of individual performances on the night that I just We're sort of above the mean. Well yeah. Like there's gonna be there's always gonna be a lot of love for Adam Sard. And Adam Sard made mistakes on the night and a couple of I might call them – they were howlers at the time. Mm. But for especially his first half and what he was able to contribute, he played a very, very good game. And he's, he's an excellent defender. We don't want to leap too far ahead with the defenders because we'll, we'll, I've, I've got a few of them that we'll single out for praise. But... Well, I, I just need to – and I'm probably going to – I thought Lewis Young's game on Jack Revolt was <laughs> – run, run the bath, get the sea salt <laughs> out. It, it was exceptional. He killed him. And, and on this podcast, Jack Revolt's a divisive character because he, he is one of the better forwards to have ever played our game. But he's pretty old now and he, he'll still have tricks and smarts and a bit of guile and all that sort of stuff. He's the wily old fox. Yeah, well, this is it. And if, if you let him off the chain, he can hurt you. But wow, did Lewis I think just Lewis, shut him down. I think Lewis paid him, paid him the, just the right amount of respect whilst also recognising you're done. Well, I think he proved to a lot of people that if they were expecting um, you know, an Indian summer out of Jack and get a little bit more out of him, I just don't think it's there anymore. And Look, he might get hold of a younger defender. And yeah. when, the op- when, when, when Richmond dominate in the midfield and the ball's coming in, you know, like a... Um, he'll kick three or four. Yeah, he, 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 he will have good days. He'll go through spells like he did last year where he didn't do anything for months. Um, Correct. Look, realistically, I suppose this is my disappointment and it goes to the heart of what we'll spend a bit more time talking about. Realistically, we probably... We're better than Richmond. I th- I went in... And we should be beating them. I went in, and, and again, you never know quite how a game is going to play... And I'm I'm a little bit grandiose in some of the statements that I make and all that sort of stuff. I thought we'd win by five goals. I think we're a five-goal better team. I think we are. Um, there were moments in the game, especially early in the third quarter and probably midway through the first quarter where Richmond peppered and probably got through our defence or, or, more importantly, we couldn't get out of our defence when we tried to attack where we were left vulnerable and on a couple of occasions they hurt us. Mm. But in the main, they didn't. You were never. You, you're always worried when Dustin Martin's on the field. You're worried when Shay Bolton is on the field, and Tom Lynch is an elite key forward of the competition. So they they have firepower down there that can hurt you, but in the main, it just felt like we kept them at arm's length for most of the night. You know what it felt like? It felt like two very cautious teams. Yeah. That were afraid to lose. Correct. And weren't really willing to risk the biscuit, to go. I think we've got your number. And that's on both sides of the ball. Agreed. Richmond and us to go, we got these boys, we got them, we got them covered, and just put on a five-minute spell that goes, here we go, we've gapped you, it's over. Yep. 
lay down champ, it's over. And both teams are so conservative, and I think the defensive 58 points apiece speaks somewhat to that. It was very difficult to score. Um, And credit to their defence, they were just as stout as we were at times. Um, So ultimately, it's not a loss, but it's not what we needed. It doesn't really answer any of the pressing questions from last year for the preseason. It doesn't put to bed any lingering doubts. It raises a few ahead of next week, which, depending on how Collingwood and Geelong pan out, will be an interesting watch. And I said in our preseason episode that we'd know more about the Collingwood at Sydney games after Richmond. Yep. I don't know if we do. We probably have to have a stay on that, and we'll know a bit more next week again. Because while some elements of the performance were okay, some of them were far from individually, structurally. All, all we'll go through all of those. And the the big heading I had here to sort of kick us off is. We are what we are. For better or worse, whether we want to accept it or we don't, we are what we are. And I referred to the tweet earlier where I said we're a middle-of-the-road 7-8 to team, 7-12 to team. And I'm not saying that based on two hours of footy last night. I'm saying that based on seven years of watching this group mature and be collected and collated and come together and potentially be something and turn into something. We're an okay side because we've got a handful of excellent players We've got questionable footy IQ across the board, which is a major issue. And seemingly, and and frustratingly, it's gone beyond being annoying now. It's just frustrating. Zero appetite to actually want to be more. And that may seem like a vague statement, but talking about being better and talking about being more and talking about taking a step is one thing. Do it. It it is one game. No, but it's not one game. No, no. And look... That's what we spoke about last yeah, thing about you, sacking the coach, where you go, you're not yeah, sacking yeah. him based on five weeks. No, I, and I, I get that, but you can't undo what's been done, and, and and so you're wanting you're wanting to see meaningful change, and you're drawing a conclusion that still harks back to the last seven years, which you're entitled to do. So it's formed by the last seven years. Well, it, well, it is, and 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 I've. I can't even remember where I read it. There was a comment made about teams that rebuild and tank and, um, you know, accept, you know, um, honourable losses and all that sort of stuff and, and, and that it just sets a horrific culture for a team moving forward. And we did all of that. And 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 we, we lived through an era where getting near enough and getting close enough was good enough. And, and it's probably hurt us. And... And you know the, these teams that are supposedly going to tank for was it Harley Reid or whatever his name is, the guy that they talk about is probably going to be the number one draft pick and a new see Dusty the, Martin and all that big, sort of stuff. The big midfielder, big body midfielder from Ballarat under 18s and um, and you just you know, just at what cost are you welcoming failure, and how easy is it to rid yourself of it? And, and I think we've been stuck in that because you know we all know last year. Yeah, we won the couple of close ones against Hawthorne and Port, and we were happy with that. Yeah, but we were fifty points up. No, I, don't worry. It 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 didn't like didn't paper over the cracks that were there. And as I said to a mate this morning, yeah, you, know, you play Carlton these days, and you're three goals down with five minutes to play. Your thinking right now is we're in it. No, but you, but we're more, in it because these guys are as flaky as they come. No, but more than that, you know that we know. Yeah, they're in it. You're sitting there, Richmond or whoever knows, yeah, 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 we're in it. We're all right. Yep. So I think I've got the note here that, and the question for you, we're just not the team in 2023 
that we hoped we'd be five years ago, six years ago, seven years. We're just not that team. I look. I, I think. I think when we plotted our course and what we thought we were assembling, and the improvements that were going to be made individually, physically and all those sorts of things, and then from a mentality perspective and a performance and competitiveness perspective, I think we have the list. I think we have... See, I, I don't think we do. Well, I think we have the capability, but there is some serious maturing, and it's more above the shoulders than anything else. I think the ceiling of this list, if everything goes right, if everyone was fit and available at their best, is like fifth. I think I think we're in a, that 2011 sort of phase where you went, the ceiling of that list was a semi-final, was a second week of the finals. If everything goes to plan and our best players are fit and available and they're all ready to go and all that, just... So what do top four sides have that we don't have? Because edge, I, hardness, leadership. But, but that's mentality. Yeah, we don't that's have it. That's all above the shoulders. Yeah, we don't have it. So you mentioned earlier you go and you get talent. That's fine. We did that. What we didn't get... Well, where did Melbourne find it? Um, yeah, I think they were fortunate in the sense that from the ashes of continued failure rose a guy like Max Gorn, who in a leadership sense was the champion and the talisman of that football club. Like, I don't, I don't get ahead of myself here, but Paddy Cripps, after the game on the ground, he didn't say anything wrong. I don't know if you saw his interview. I didn't. He didn't say anything wrong, but he didn't say anything that inspired me. He didn't. He didn't stay. He didn't stand there. And I don't want him to be angry. I don't want him to be throwing guys under the bus. I don't want him to be naming names. I want him to be steaming a bit, though. I want him to be going. Yeah, not good enough. It's not enough. Not happy with it. Not. Yeah, we'll learn from it. You know, getting these. You learn from it. It's a learning experience. I don't want to be hearing that, Patty. I want. I want you, our captain, to be standing there, and you can be respectful, and you can be just be upfront and go. Not good enough. Not acceptable. Um, you know, we we need to be better. Can we need to be better again? You know, it's, I, it's, I agree with you. I mean, you, you. And that's not. I'm not meaning to pot to pot Paddy Cripps no, in isolation. No, I, I, because, and I'm not because, either. Because Michael Voss sits in the press conference and says he's proud of the effort, and he's proud of the performance, and we would have lost by six goals last year. And you kind of go and I don't understand because we won by we five beat, last year. We beat year. them last year. Yeah. You go and like this is where you start going. Stop insulating yourselves and the group against expectation, against stakes. Like own it. I mean, we talk about Roy Keane a lot. Where's my Roy Keane sting? Where is it? See if I can find it. Do me a favour. Roy Keane gave one of the great interviews of all time. It goes for about fucking 20 seconds. Where United got bundled out against um, Bayern Munich in 2000 and... Jeez, was it two? Was it 2000? I can't remember what year it was. Because um, 2000 was... 2000 was Real Madrid, I think. 01 would have been Leverkusen. It might have been 02. And anyway, he's, he's, they get bundled out in the quarterfinals or whatever it was of the Champions League, and he's standing there talking to ITV after the game, and he just went, uh, he goes, I think this, the, this group's probably come to the end. This particular version of the group has come to the end. He goes, it doesn't mean as much as it needs to. It doesn't mean as much as it means should mean. It doesn't mean as much as it needs to mean to win this tournament as it did five years ago. Yeah. Because we've got players in the group who have won it. And he goes, I think they're maybe just not hungry anymore. And they've gotten a bit comfortable. But he said it. He went on TV and he just gave zero fucks about offending anyone in the locker room and about doing – and he said what the boss needed him to say. And, and I think, as you say, it probably throws down the gauntlet, does it? Cause, does. Because I would rather make a bold statement yep. and be wrong than, as you say, insulin, insulate against what might be happening and, and you know, tread on – um, 
Uh, or hurt anyone's feelings. Yeah, or, exactly right. And, 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 and try to protect your mates and be wrong and realise, yeah, we're not good enough. Because all these conversations, like Voss's conversations now in the media, we'll talk about this a bit later. I don't want to step on my own toes. I made the note about it. But Cripps's comments post-game, Voss's comments post-game, etc. You better not be saying that stuff internally. This better just be an outward projection to the media and, and to stakeholders. And you better not be having towing these lines internally because that's... Geez, that's pretty uninspiring stuff. I, I, I'm a big believer, and I don't think they are. By the no, way, no, I don't think they are either. I, I, I'm a big believer in um, the football club as a wider entity. It's round one. We've played an away game. You're still trying to you're still trying to sell memberships. We haven't lost. We're playing against a side that's won three of the last six premierships. Like they're not a bad football team. Historically, we've not performed well against them in round one. Again, haven't lost. Could have been better than it was, but I think you give the the warm and fuzzy response as best as you can in the circumstance. But you know, I, does Cripps does Cripps does a rallying cry? I, from I the, just hope that result grated on twenty three blokes. Hundred percent in, in the does, room. Does a rallying cry from Cripps on the Channel Seven broadcast after the game mean more than a? Yeah, we'll go away and look at it and we'll, we'll try to be better next week. If you, in front of Australia's media, turned around and said, we got two points tonight and it's not good enough, I want for more, this team wants for more, our supporters want for more, I don't think it hurts anybody saying that. I've got no problem with him saying that. In, in fact, I'd rather hear that. I'd rather hear that. Yeah, and, and that's the point. And just say, well, that's what we're striving for. And it just feels like if you this know, is... If this we all is... try and climb the mountain, we don't always get no. to the top. But, but at least have the ambitions to saying... Dare to dream. Yep. Yeah, I'd rather us be a bit more bold. Be a bit more bold. Be a bit more... What would Jacob Wiedering have said? I think and this is why we keep saying it. We've spoken about Wieders at length. I've just looked at him on the field and just... Oh, there's things that he does. I think, to be I, honest I, with you... I'd go to war with this dude to, in a massive mate, way. I, I, think, I, I think, think he's a star. I think he's... And people come from your comments. I think he's so far our best player right now. It's people, not funny. People come from your comment, DM us if you disagree or whatever. I think he's itching to be captain. And not I think not because he doesn't like Cripper, doesn't respect no, Cripper, doesn't no. rate him, but I think he's itching to be captain. He just he, screams. It. From, from where I sat and watched the game and looked at the way people pointed in directions and asked things to do and take off and own the game and instances in the game. I just, he's the bloke. I, I just, think there's a bit of, I can't get enough of him. Under new management about this is the way we've been for a while and under new management, that's not how we'll be. We'll be a little bit different. Yep. And he wouldn't, don't, don't get us wrong, Jacob Wiedering wouldn't go on national television ranting and raving. He'd be direct. He'd be considered. He just doesn't suffer fools. And he'd be unambiguous. He'd keep it pretty simple. He'd be going, yeah, look, we need to be better. And I love Cripper. When hundred percent. And this, we're not we're not arguing for him to be dropped, sacked, whatever. Going, but you look at it, and just go. Geez, do we just maybe something else? I don't know. Um, I wanted something else. I mentioned IQ before, Timbo. Do you reckon? I just do. We just lack intelligent footballers, and by that I mean they're not necessarily bad players. But you look at it, you can name them off the list them as all you want. Really super intelligent players who just are instinctive, who understand immediately what's going on and who understand immediately what has to happen next, who can yep. just read the game, the context, the stakes, the situation. They just get it. Like Dad made the point, you know, 
Um, we had a few guys last night caught in traffic and were a little bit – And he, he, Chris Judd's a bad example because he's an all-time great of the game. But he made the game – he goes, you remember that one – and I, I saw it immediately. He goes, remember that one we played Essendon? And he did kind of the double pump handball. He's in huge traffic. His body's tackled. There's pressure on him. And he just ha- he's in the goal square and he just gives it to Eddie Betts. And he went – he was clean. He was decisive. He made the right option, right decision. He did it quickly. He did one against uh, Collingwood, a similar thing with Yaron. Where he, had, he just went, he's a bad example, all-time great, like I said. But I looked at us last night and I just thought too often we just didn't have guys who knew the score, knew the time on the clock, knew exactly what had to happen next. It was all just a little bit slapdash and just fly by the seat of our pants, white knuckle, let's see, oh, I don't know. And the difference between good and Average in those instances were really narrow, mm. um, because again, there was numerous, numerous occasions. But when we'd, when we'd double back, when we'd switched across goal and trying to come back out the other side, and Richmond clearly put pressure on well, but I think the perception of pressure was greater than what the actual pressure was, and at times we rushed certain things. And when you go C shape, and, and we paid for mate, it. When you go C shape, do it with purpose. Do yeah. it with intensity. Do it quickly. Yep. Don't hesitate, because that hesitation just means that everyone crabbing across just gets an extra couple meters. Yeah. You go fast, and you know what? It's the classic. Um, you might have alluded to it before. It's the classic thing where you go. You know what? If we speak about doing something, and I tell you to do it quickly, and you fuck up. No problem. You know what? I'm I'm probably annoyed with you, and I'll yeah. mention it. You know what's going to be really annoying if you fuck up going slowly or doing it wrong. Yeah. Well, there was a bit of play, and and again, yeah, you know, this isn't the Lockie O'Brien love fest and all that sort of stuff. But he'd come on, he put his head over the ball. He he didn't quite win it, but he got a free kick for the head high. Yeah, and he was on the back side of the square, and they gave him the free kick, and the umpire didn't let him. It wasn't on the Continue line on. or something. And he's something. turned and he's kicked at 50, yeah. almost square, slightly forward to a bloke, miles on his own. Yep. On, and it might have even been an Ollie Hollands. I can't even remember who it went to. It someone on the opposite side of the square. But it was something we hadn't seen all night. Yep. And he was taking the game on. He was taking a risk. And you thought, that comes off. We're, contest- we're contesting inside 50. The whole field. And, and it was like, that's what we want to see. Yep. And, and, you know, again, you talk about bravery and courage in footy, and there'd be plenty of people that would say Lockie lacks that. But as far as taking the game on, and 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 again, he's a funny footballer, and I I noticed a lot. Shy Bolton gets the ball really close to the boundary line a lot. Mm. He cheats a lot. He gets into space a lot. But I tell you what, when there's a kick to be made, he is probably the single footballer in the competition that is prepared to take a risk more than any other player in the competition. And he scares the shit out of you when you're on the field. But my God, you've got to give this kid credit. He has a crack every single time. And he'll, he'll sneak a few things and he'll give away a 50 and he'll try and needle someone, try and get something out of it. And he plays on the edge all of the time. And as a coach, he'd be horrendous to deal with because quite good sure. shy versus bad shy and all that sort of stuff. But when it comes off, there was a thing, years uh, and, he, he's beautiful to watch. Years and years and years ago, when Angel Di Maria's disastrous stint at Manchester United, there was this stat that came out. Um, partway through his stint about losing the ball. He'd lost the ball however many times. And I remember thinking, because he's the only one taking a risk. Yeah, that's it. He's the, he's in the final third trying to th- thread the needle or drop the ball on someone's head. You're going, 
Yeah. And you pay big dollars to get that player to make a difference. You pay big dollars because he might try to pass the ball 12 times. He only needs to do it once. Yep. But he's got the imagination and he's got the bravery. Yep. And he's got the skill set. And like I said, we pump Lockie up a fair bit and sometimes we play up to that. But that's a really good example you made where I'll go, I'll go early on it. Um, I think the longer the game went, uh, and particularly when Lockie was injected into the game, is he a superstar player? No, he's not. He should have played ahead of Ollie Hollands. I don't have a problem with Ollie's game. I, I, have, I don't yeah, have a problem I, with I, the... do, I do, and we'll get to it later. Yeah, and, uh, but he yeah. should have played ahead of Ollie Hollands. That was a mistake. Because can, immediately can, when he came on the ground... Can I just one that, bit of credit, that, though? But that kick, we didn't get anything from it. I know, yeah. I agree. But that kick where he squirt, put it across them, you went, no one done that all night. All night. And when he's come on immediately and given us... The field is now fucking 50 metres wider. Yeah. Because we've got a bloke who can actually hit those targets. I didn't understand why... And again, people are going to say you, you love Lockie O'Brien too much. When Voss's stated aim in the post-match press conference was to be patient, pick your way through them, why you would leave your best kick of the football, particularly midfield, on while, the bench, why would you, you would leave him game. in reserve is beyond baffling. And no disrespect to Ollie Hollands, who did some nice things, and he had the very nice moment in the first quarter in, in defensive 50. That got, still resulted in a goal, It still you. resulted in a goal, but he did some nice things and he got some experience, no problems, and, and he's a long-term prospect. Ran 14.7 kilometres, the same as Ed Kerner. That's fantastic. Touched the ball 11 times. Yep. Work smarter, not harder. Yep, yep, yep. Like you, people keep telling me, you know, as Fab alluded to, we're not, you know, we're not trying to win Mr. Olympia here. We're not trying to win the New York <laughs> Marathon. Yeah, yeah. People kept trying to tell me, oh, he's run 14.7 k's. Touched the ball 11 times, had eight effective disposals. Yep. Going... But so, we always talk about the glimpse, don't we? No, you no, need I have to say 100%. 100%. And, 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 and we've got that. And a wingman, it's not all about touches. It's not all about raw numbers. I appreciate that. And he'll be better for the run and he needs the experience, no problems. But on that night, on that stage, Lockie O'Brien was the better bet. Yep. Should have been played. And if you want to have Ollie as the sub and inject some run late in the game, yep. not a problem in the world. I think that would have been a reasonable pivot. Not a problem in the world. Yep. Um, I, I, I think what Ollie gains from playing that game in the long term, so no I, I have no problem 100%. With yeah. I completely yeah. agree. But yeah. I think a lot of Carlton fans are going a bit early on Ollie. Yep. They, they love him and that's fantastic. And we want him to be brilliant. He's our boy and we're all right behind him. Lockie was a better bet last night. Should have played in his place. And that's not to say that Hollands doesn't play in week two, three, four, play the rest of the year, put a flag in the ground and pass him by year's end. No it, problem. It'll be a very interesting watch to see... Yeah, how, how that unfolds, no doubt. No but doubt. hopefully the good thing is for a guy like Lockie O'Brien, you're going, well, is that the fire up your ass that we've picked this kid ahead of you? Yep. What do you want to do? And, and I always think there are levers good. being pulled for all that sort of stuff left like right and center. Um, for some reason, I'm going to mention baseball a lot in this episode. I was just okay. in that kind of mood. I'm not really sure why, but I've got a couple points to make around baseball tonight. Um but what's really interesting about baseball, for anyone who listens, please excuse this very amateur um, interpretation of the game, but baseball at its heart is a game about history and patterns. And it's a game about recognising, I've seen this before, or what's going to happen next. Cricket's a little bit like that as well. Yep. You know, the field in cricket is such because there's been 150 years perfecting. Evolving it. There's yeah. only so many places you can hit the ball. Yep. And there's there's a reason why... The ball doesn't go straight to the man at mid-on out of luck. Yeah, yeah. You know, this is you're, we're going to make you hit the ball here, yep. et cetera, et cetera. And baseball is very much like that, very static. I know it happens a lot slower than football. But it's a game about recognising what's going to happen, how it's going to play out, 
where do we need to be? Who do we need to have in this situation? What's the record like? Who's a good matchup for him? Et cetera, et cetera. And my question is, what have we learned from last year? It's about recognising patterns. It's about recognising history. It's about making sure that, geez, well, that doesn't happen again. We know this. We know how this works. What are we going to do to stop it? We've had the last three competitive matches on our racket with a minute to go and won none of them. Half of them. We'll run none one, of them. One half but of them. Correct. You've won. You've actually not won any of them. Yeah. Fool me once. Fool me twice. You know, I think it stops being bad luck or misadventure at this point. For me, Timbo, it's a lack of structure. It's a lack of reliable system. It's a lack of belief. It's a lack of temperament. I thought temperament and composure were the two things that really struck me last night. And I'll, you know, we don't want to, you don't like to pot people. And, and, Please. And, I'm, and, I'm not, look, and I'm not potting him because he's, he's long been one of my favourite footballers and he will continue to be so. But um, Mitch McGovern last night, for what was actually, a, in the main, a very good game, he had a couple of howlers. And, and the, the initial goal that, he, that we conceded when he dropped a very, very easy mark that resulted in the Dustin Martin goal, thank God it didn't hurt us and they didn't build any momentum out of it. But late when he got the ball, and you know, he's, a, he's such a good user of the ball most of the time, He's just put himself under too much pressure and, and in a uh, sticky situation, he's not managed to be able to run or kick his way out of um, trouble, but more so he's probably exacerbated the trouble um, when he's kicked one out of bounds and, and again, taking guys on, getting caught holding the ball and, and, and whatnot throughout the night. He just he just didn't nail it, but... We do take the good... Is he the new Liam Jones? Is he the new... Good Eric Bay. Well, no, I'll, I'll cut him the slack only because I think when he's had issues with his body, he's needed at least a couple of games to be able to get confidence and then start really building. I, I don't think his body is an issue anymore at all. Um, but I think last night he missed a game because he'd been he, he he'd been hit in the back in a marking contest in a practice like a intra club. And they kept him out of the first practice match, and his wife's given birth at the second. So he's gone into round one having not played a competitive hit out against AFL opposition. Yeah, he played the VFL one, didn't he? And I think it showed. I think it showed. And and you'll never like the difference is the sum of the parts, and that, and that's is... across the whole team. So there's not one individual issue you're going that cost us, that cost us, that cost they us. They all collectively cost. Collectively, us. they cost us, but. Mitch McGovern is a better footballer than that and can't be creating those issues in those situations, this in those key games. This is the enigma that is Mitch McGovern. He drops that first mark and then he ends up taking some other very impressive marks very much under so. more pressure. Yep. And you're just going, what is happening? Yeah. You know, he laces out a 50-odd metre kick out of defence one minute yeah. and then kicks it out of bounds he on the full. one out sort of going, the full, yeah. Going, what is, I think he'll be better for the run and for no the doubt. tempo and all no that doubt. stuff. I think, I think as... There's a lot of upside there. He's one of those guys that, as frustrating as some of the issues were, there were positives out of his personal performance that well I think um, speak to, you know, a more positive outlook moving forward in general. Um, but I think I've got the note here that. Can, can I just do one quick shout out? Oh no! <laughs> I was sitting with my mate Brent Gleeson. Of course. And uh, he's like Bob Sacamano. Yeah, and uh, Zach Dodgson as well. And Zach is a. Um, 
uh, a, a Richmond supporter, but Mitch did a couple of good things, and <laughs> I turned to Brent and said, uh, "He's a star." <laughs> Who? Sorry, Mitch. Yeah. When was this? Uh, As- with seven minutes to go in the game. Okay. I, I've said it. Brent said something very, very similar, and from that point onwards, he managed to fuck it up four times in three minutes, and it was sort of like. I think we went a bit early on that one. <laughs> um, but I've got the note here that we've had the same issues for years and I talked about recognising patterns and all that kind of stuff and, and fixing them, realising like a, a baseball team might, you know, okay, what's the issue? Last year we were no, we were no good at A, so what, are we just going to continue doing the same thing and hope that it magically improves? Or are we going to address it with personnel? Are we going to address it with coaching? Are we going to address it with a stint in the minors? What are we going to do? But we need to recognise that this pattern's not working in our favour. How do we correct it? For us, ball movement? Out of defence, good. Forward of half, shit ass. So that connection inside 50 piece? Yeah, massively, massively lacking. Continually leaving too much to too few? Yes. Still an issue. Mentality? Yes. Still an issue. The ruck position? Yeah, big question mark. I thought TDK started well. Yep. uh, But tired, laboured, physically nanks an enormous man. So, and, and he's physical. Yeah. He's physical. So the longer the game went... He laid 11 tackles in the game, Toby Nankervis. He is going to give you that... He's very, very similar in a lot of ways to a Matthew Cruiser in that, in that his work rate is... It just doesn't drop away across the whole game. And I think that um, that's just typical of, of TDK. Like I said, started well, et cetera. The longer it went, the less effective he was. But we know that. And what have we done to, to affect change? What will be fascinating is coming off of Toby Nankervis who seeks to set the tone in a game with physicality. Next week, TDK probably rucks against Reece Stanley. Who annihilated him. Last time he did, but I think Reece Stanley was in pretty good form then. I'm concerned. Well, I'm interested to see what happens And I'm even more concerned about the fact that the guy that would otherwise be playing can't jump. Yeah. It's a a worry. Well, I think Darcy, whatever his name is, the the ex-Sydney player, what's his name? Cameron. Ruckman at Collingwood. Cameron. He might get a hold of uh, Stanley tonight. So wait and watch. That I, I reckon TDK, one. this game that he's just played might actually help him in the next game. Yeah, hopefully. Um, and then I had here, looking at last night as a microcosm, and not even looking at the end of the game, what were we doing immediately after halftime? We didn't come to play. Did we not expect that Richmond would come out renewed, reinvigorated, aggressive. We let them control the game for 10 or 12 minutes. For about 10 minutes, yeah. In fairness, we though, weren't ready. In fairness, there was a kick that Richmond squared it up across the backside of the centre square on our, at our attacking side, and we got hands to it, and we should have gathered the ball, and just the way that it squared it out, it just seemed to favour Richmond a lot on the night. But um, we should have been able to have capitalised on an error 60 metres from goal, and we didn't. Was that the one that came off Doherty, socket off? Was socket off the ground. Harry peeled off too yep, early. Yep, and it was just, and it, and it could have gone anywhere, and it favoured Richmond, and they took it coast to coast and scored a goal, and it was like, gee, that's just an absolute... That's a kick in the jets. It's an instant in a game that, that the whole fabric of the game balances on. But you know what it is too? And it went their way. There's a few facets to it. Mentally, it's a let off, yep. which is a relief. And then it's it's it was an easy enough goal, yep. which is easy goals. Love them. We don't get any of those. No. Nope. Um, it's just that we're, you know what what are, what do we call return on investment for effort if you want Correct. to call it that for Reward us for is yep. just non-existent. No, absolutely. Um, but this idea of we 
like what were we expecting out of the, the halftime break? Because we weren't ready to go. We weren't anywhere near ready to go. Well, we'd been good. But who's that on? Like this is the thing. It's to me, it's a simple switch on. Let's go. We on? And and that can't come from the coaches. That's got to be that's got to be leadership. That's got to be um, lines, groups of players that that walk out on the field and go, "You good? You good? We're ready to go. Let's get into it." It was, and. and and we'd kick four six. They'd kick two four. They very possible they got comfortable and thought we've worked. They kicked two goals against us in a half. One was lucky with the Mitch McGovern drop. They've kind of really created one goal and a half of footy, and maybe they just sort of thought mm. we're better than these guys, and we may well be. But you've got to play. You've actually got to go play the game. You've got to play one hundred and twenty minutes. And, and not let up until the very, very end, as we proved, given that the winning goal came with, what, 20 seconds to play. I've actually got the note here, another baseball-y thing. I was walking from the ground last night, and, and credit to uh, Paddy Cripps, who on the night struggled um, probably through three quarters. Yep. Was, was battling. It wasn't a lack of effort or anything like that, but was struggling to really impose himself and, and get the game going in a manner that suits him or, you know, um, get us going, you know, as we have come to uh, expect from him came alive in the last quarter and was whether he was challenged or whether he lifted himself or the like, who knows. But I had this feeling, I was walking away. Are you, uh, are you familiar with uh, Don Mattingly? I'm familiar with the individual, but I couldn't tell you his life story. So, Donnie Baseball, as he was called. Okay. Life, uh, he was a, a career New York Yankee. Yep. Played 14 years for the New York Yankees. Do you know what's interesting about uh, Don Mattingly in the pantheon of New York Yankees? He never won a World Series. I don't know. He's yeah, you're correct. Oh right. He's the only New York Yankee to have his number retired without having won a series. Without having played. Played in a series. In a World Series. He played one playoff series, which was in his final year of the New York Yankees, and that was only because of an expanded playoff format. They played in a wild card. Yeah. In his time with the New York Yankees, Don Mattingly was an MVP. So he won the Brownlow. Yep. He was a batting champion, so he won the Coleman. Coleman. And he was a nine-time gold glove at first base. So he was nine-time All-Australian. All-Australian, yep. Played one playoff series in his last year, the New York Yankees. He personally could not have done more yep. to make them better, to put them in contention. But it wasn't enough. But he, in, on his own, wasn't enough. And he had the incredible misfortune of just being at the tail end, arriving in the early, 90s, uh, early 80s, sorry, after they'd won a couple World Series in the late 70s. Yep. You know what happened in 96? They went on a run after he left. Won the World Series. Yep. You know what happened in 98? Did it again. Won the World Series. 99? I'm, I'm seeing a pattern, Sean. 2000. Yeah. Yeah, 2001 played off and lost. 2003 played off and lost. I just get the feeling looking at a guy like Cripper, and it's an awful feeling, and it's actually apropos of nothing else we're talking about in this episode, but I'm like, you're, you're Donny Baseball. You're Don Mattingly. You're going to give everything to this football club and you're going to be a champion of this football club and you are going to have nothing to show for it. Other than all the all Australians. Other than your individual Brownlow accolades Medal. where everyone will go, you're an unbelievable player and you just aren't going to have the team success that your efforts deserve for whatever the reason might be. I fucking hope I'm wrong. He, he needs mates though, doesn't he? That, 100%. That, 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 that's what it comes back to because he, he plays at an elite level and he just needs more of those sorts of blokes to go with him for longer 
and that turns. And this as, is why... just when. And the point I was going to make with, with regard, we always speak about leadership. This is the point I make where... Do you take that burden away from him where he feels like he has to be the guy that that just moves the wheel? He has to be the... You know, was it Sisyphus? Was he pushing the rock up the hill? He has to be that guy. And do you embolden and enable and give that responsibility to someone else, other players? Because at the moment, while Cripper's there and Cripper is Cripper, well, he's, he's Patrick Cripps, he's whatever. And do you have a, a, a layer below that, probably below Weedering, Walsh, et cetera, who maybe just take that a bit for granted and are a bit comfortable or a bit... Say so Cripper will do it. Cripper will do it. I reckon we were a bit like that with Juddy. 100%. And that's yeah. why a little bit of history repeating again. Yeah. And fingers crossed that's something that shifts and changes. And, and I think, as you say, that, that, that's just an observation. And, and we have, the we have as a group, the right of reply. Yep. Um, and, and I think that's part of our next challenge. It, it is the mentality piece. It's the leadership piece. It's the sharing the load piece. I agree completely. Speaking of all that kind of stuff... Um, my next heading here is coaching structure inside 50s and relying on too few. Let's start with coaching. I reckon, Timbo, that AFL coaches are incredibly lucky that the level of scrutiny on what they do, the decisions they make, etc., is determined by journos and not necessarily people who understand the game. And that's not to say that we understand it better than them or better than someone else. But they are so lucky that they sit in a press conference after a game last night, after a long preseason, And ask the Dor- Dorothy Dixons. And ask the softest, most unimaginative, oh, he must be pretty, uh, you know, what do you make of a result like that? Was he a bit like dancing with your sister, I suppose? And it's like, what? Yeah. Like yep. Gary Neville tells a great story about when he went to Valencia and he had an awful stint as manager and he shouldn't have taken the job. It was a disaster. And he goes, I was naive. I sat in the press conference. He goes, they hammer you. Yeah. Why'd you do this? Why didn't you do that? Why'd you take him off? Why didn't you start this? Why'd you play this formation? And he goes, they hammer you. He goes, and it's like, he goes, it takes your head off from, you're going, what the fuck is going on here? Jesus. You're actually attacked. You're the manager of the football club. You're the coach of the football club. Don't just, as you said, little half ollies outside off stump, you know, little vague nonsense. Like I would love for somebody, I just wrote this down as just, this is, this took me five seconds looking at the stat sheet. I would love to sit there to Vossi and go, uh, four fifties just didn't work for you tonight. You got zero marks on the lead across the whole team. Uh, you took three marks inside 50 for the night, you know, between Harry and Charlie. Uh, you got 33 touches total out of Martin, Fisher, Motlop, and Jack Owies. took one of them too. No, you got, you got 33 possessions total out of Martin, Fisher, uh, Motlop, and Owies. Yep. Um, What's your method? You know, how are you, what do you, you, know, you put up 58 points tonight? Well, What's your method? And, and Daniel, Daniel Rioli had 27 on his own. So any, no, one, of the, any one of those four are minding him. And, 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 and we do have to remember sometimes that those small forwards have, you know, other roles within, you know, their brief on the night. And it's not just get the ball, create, score. You know, they are also defending, but... 33 possessions across four. four blocks. And I think it was seven tackles total, and yep. only four of those were inside 50. Yeah. Yeah. There's room for improvement there. Like, you just go, so you ask Vossi, you go, geez, that's that's unders. That's pretty disappointing. You know, three marks inside 50 between Harry and Charlie. And when all the talk in the pre-match was Richmond's tall defence stocks are a little bit underdone, geez. 
Carlton should no, take it under. The, they were missing. Carlton should take advantage of this. Absolutely, we didn't. You didn't at all ever. You didn't even look and, like and, and no the, marks and, on the lead. Tim, we didn't take a mark on the lead. <laughs> yeah, that's horrendous. A mark, no one. We did ask Harry to stand up when O'Brien kicked the ball to him. That could have been our one, literally. Um, and and the goal that, well, the two goals that that really changed our fortunes for the game. One was out of midair by Charlie. Pure opportunism. And, and sensational goal, great smarts, phenomenal wherewithal, yep. love it, could have gone anywhere, could have had a hand on it, wasn't. You know, we're thankful. We're thankful that a goal line VAR went our way, unlike Spirit Fingers Nathan Broad last year. Um, it was a fascinating thing too, that, that moment where you sort of thought, I must, I turned to Dad and I went, because Bolter was... Uh, he was pleading his case. And you sort of went, as soon as you saw it, you thought, no, well, that's taken zero deflection. If you've touched it, it'd go the other way. Correct. You know, and it's, and you, you, is he claiming it off? It's a weird one where I'm like, well, I, I'm it's not, just desperation. I'm not sure why you're so desperate when you go, you probably didn't touch it. Yeah. Like, um, I've got the note here, Timbo. We're talking about coaching generally, oh, yeah, as we are. How do you appraise our coaching stocks? As we sit here right now, it doesn't look like we've affected meaningful change since last year, which is a concern because last year wasn't good enough. And I say this hoping it doesn't get taken out of context because I'm not calling for anyone's head. I'm not putting anyone on notice sort of thing. But you're always under review in this game and in this business. And I'm not terribly satisfied with the performance through preseason and now round one on the back of six months of pre, or you know, however many months of preseason planning, whatever, I don't really think last night was good enough. I what I think, and and I've been to one of the practice matches, and you see what you want to see. You look at the game through your own lens. I always thought, after last season, our biggest want is to stop runs of goals being kicked against us. Collingwood challenged us in the practice match. They kicked a few goals in a row. We dried them up. We seemed to defend against us well and protect. So I feel like, on on the basis of one game, I feel like we may have redressed what our failings were last year and the year before. Is it an overcorrection? Well, not even so much it's an overcorrection. It's like, okay, well... For what you wanted to be last year and the year before, you've got that in check. But are we a year or two behind where we want to be? Like, correct correct the sins of the past year, but what do we want to be? Yeah, you can't do it at the expense of A, your identity. And this is the thing. Or if, B, um, your ability to actually score. Yeah, well, if you have the last two Coleman medalists playing against a back line that is seriously depleted for key position talent, if you were to say, how many points is your team going to score in this game, without knowing the pattern of the game and how it's going to play, you're going to say your par figure is 80. Mate, if and somebody it probably me, should be 100 mate, If somebody and maybe had said more. to me before the game, Carlton are going to keep Richmond to 58 points. You so go, we've won by seven goals. We win by five goals. Yeah, 50. It's a go, we, Fabian yeah, we win. special. You go, we win comfortably. Go, yeah, good. Yeah. That's good. 
but we did it at the expense of any weaponry we actually have. Yeah, correct. We basically said, yeah, fuck, people are right. We do concede too many goals in a row. How about we trade in any and all firepower we might have yep. to stop that? But then, as you say, when we got forward and we had opportunities with better decisions and better execution, we give ourselves more of a chance than oh, what we did. We? It, it, was, it looked like we had no... We had no method. You know, we've got. I've got how we we're going to go. You know, my next question to you is here on Give my little run sheet, and this is for the coaching box, which then flows down, obviously, to the playing group. Do you think we lack a little bit of guile, a little bit of craft, a little bit of imagination, a little bit of imagination and fantasy, as Fabian would like <laughs> to say? I think we lack a mad scientist, in the, like that Possibly. Malcolm Blight. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah. you know what? I'm going to say something. This could be dumb. This could be insanity. But it actually might be genius, and it's up for everyone else to interpret it and go, I don't know about that, Sean. I don't know if that's a great idea. But in the moment of something, go, why don't we try? i got an example for you later. Just go, why don't we – Jesus, is it worth having a look at this? Kick the ball along the ground. Whatever it might be. <laughs> whatever this moment of alchemy yeah. might be, just to go, what about we try this? Can we try this? Well, the, the one thing that I saw last night and we'd long talked about is when Charlie is on the tear – and he's leading to a space. Don't lead into the hole that he's running into. No. And and a couple of times, Harry. And, and look, if you've got a, a very good player who's wanting to impact the game and get to the space and where the ball is, I'm never going to hang a bloke for doing it at all. But if you've got enough faith in your mate who's a Coleman medalist, and he's got his opponent done, let him just do his job. We're going to come back to this, Timbo. I think you made an excellent point. You've just made it too early. Sorry. Um, no, you weren't to know. I like it. I've had a habit of that. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think we need someone who sees what's au fait in footy at the moment and goes, no, we can challenge that. Yep. Or how do we evolve beyond that? Or how do we exploit that? Everything that, like, Collingwood and Richmond do, the, the chaos. Col- uh, Geelong sort of fight fire with fire. They did that in the final last year. Yep. And that was the, the thing at the moment was just less structure and just fucking madness. Yep. And it's like, well, how do you beat that? How do you come up with something that's better than that? And I got the note here. If you think about F1, every dominant era is on the back of being first to something. Yep. Ground effects, you know, more recently was stuff like the F duct and the blown diffuser, the brawn, and no one could figure out what it was. And they stole a march and won the title because by the time people caught up, it was over. Yep. You know, you got stuff like that where you people who get the code or the sport or whatever on a molecular level. Clarko did it with the cluster and all that it's stuff. It's innovation, isn't it? Innovation. Is we got to recognise yep. what's the next step and can we be at the cutting edge of that? And I just worry, you look at the box, you look at what we do last year throughout pre-season, starting this year, and it's like, are we just a nice team? Nice run, not sort of well enough run, yep. well enough coached? Well, everything you're hearing at the moment is fast footy, fast footy, fast footy. And, no. And, and and there was a couple of, as we said, there was a couple of moments. Like we, the over, overlap run of footy and getting the extra and getting into the hands of the extra and exploiting that as your, um, as your uh, point of difference or, or, or strength or whatever it is. You want to play with layers. Well, and, and, and we took on a lot of tackles last night Um to try and squeeze the next handball out, you know, break a tackle. And, and, and 
Ollie Hollands did it. You want to draw a body? Yeah, Lockie Cowan did it, and they don't. And Sam Walsh did it in his first year too. They'd get tackled with the ball, and they couldn't break the tackle. And you, you just watch them, and you go, in two years' time, you break that tackle, and you get the run on, and you get, you know, the guy on the overlap ends up with the ball, and then all of a sudden your forwards get more of a chance. There was a little bit of that happening. We played on a couple of times when we were a little bit too cavalier and caught ourselves up. So we're trying. But then still, that kick inside 50 is, just hasn't been good enough yet. So there's room for improvement. It is one game. I, I would still like to see more. But, yeah, we can, We should be better, and I think we can be better. We mentioned Voss's comments earlier about wanting to move the ball more methodically to guard against Richmond's sort of bounding out of half-back. Okay, so they've recognised that strength. That's fine. They've totally compromised whatever strength we might have to curtail it. Yep. That's fine. Um I just there's two points I got here. Are we a skillful enough team to move the ball that slowly? Which might be a little bit of an oxymoron because you'd think that more time equals that. But we but were the it, highest scoring team in the first half of the season last year. But are we a skillful enough team to try to pick? I don't think we were a skillful enough team to try to pick pick teams apart. To be honest, yeah, and then but, the other but, one but here if, is if that's your new focus, you're going to train it, train it, train it, train it. So it should improve. Yeah, I just think we've got too much ground to make up. And then I'm sorry to put you on the spot here, mm. but. Do you reckon we play a style of footy that actually best suits what Our we strength. have? Because it feels like the coaching panel have a vision of how they want to play football, irrespective of the pieces they have to then play that style of football. Well, I'll ask you this question. Please, I haven't, so I haven't looked I'll answer at... your question with a question. <laughs> I, I, I don't know the answer to this, but did we win the clearances last night? No. That's what, that's what it felt like in watching it. And that's what our strengths are. We, we play a contested brand of footy. We win clearance. When you play a midfield that has Cripps, Kennedy and Hewitt in it, Chera does his best work inside and we're going to add Sam Walsh who can play his best work inside but just may not get the opportunity depending on what balance looks like. We have to be winning that stat. But, and this is the... Because it, that's the way we're set up. Tim, I agree. And this is the incongruous part is that to support that methodology, we don't have a dominant or a dominant enough ruckman. Which is, is it's just beggar's belief. To well, be and as you say, you've got to invest your money somewhere. And, and look, you know, we don't have to be the cheerleader for um, Tom DeConing watch. Like this this season, the media will be doing that for us. We, we absolutely know the lay of the land. We know the level of interest in this kid. We know that we're in uh, a level of um, salary cap challenge and... He will be, he will be a fascinating watch to see how he develops over the season. But he does have a core of inside midfielders around him that do have the ability to make him look better if he can do his job well. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see how he develops himself across the season because we've long said he doesn't feel like a number one ruckman yet, no. but he is young. So so that's one What's to this, watch. Where was he drafted? Sixteen. So 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23. This is his seventh year. Is it his seventh year? I'm pretty sure he was drafted 16, wasn't he? 2016? Well, he was part of... Well, it's his seventh year because at the end of the year, he's not a free agent. Well, I think you're right, yeah. So, I mean, that's like the old Jesse Lingard. I was a young player and someone goes, he's 28. Yeah. You go, oh, Jesus. It was like my mates that wanted to tell me that Lance Franklin was 18 for about five years after he got drafted. It's sort of like, he's not anymore. He was once. He's not. Um i got the note here. You mentioned Charlie and Harry just before. They don't have any chemistry on the field, do they? Charlie and Harry? Yeah. 
I've seen if they're in anything vaguely approximating each other's space, they have no chemistry. I have seen it before where it has worked, and and I I did enjoy. It might have been the might have been the third goal we kicked when um, the ball came in. Harry contested. Charlie should have, but he stayed down, and he got the ball over mm. the back when it fell to the ground. We've always sort of said he's the one who is the footy smart footballer who understands when it's time to go and when it's not. Does and he do it too much? Oh, Charlie's got a bit of the Darcy Vessios about him lately. <laughs> Just wants to stay, cheat a little bit out the back. Just wants to, and I don't say cheat in a negative. No, way, I know what you mean. But it just sometimes you go and you got to actually lead up and run and jump at the ball, mate. I agree with that. But then take front w- spot. When the game was on the line later in the third quarter, and we bombed the ball inside fifty, there was a pack of about seven blokes, and Charlie stood in the front, and he one grabbed it from the front, and it was sort of like everybody went up. And somebody came down with a ball. At least that was from where where I was sitting because we were in the Olympic stand. Somebody came down with a ball and I immediately didn't know who it was. And it was only through process of elimination of saying, well, that's JSOS. He doesn't have it. There's Harry Mackay. He doesn't have it. And there's Tom DeConing. He doesn't have it. And the only other bloke can be Charlie. And he's gone back and he kicked the goal. I think he did. Mm. Or did he miss that one? I think he he kicked kicked it. it. I think he kicked it. He can do that. And, and and I think that's I just get frustrated when I when I watch him sometimes and I think get out of the wrestle, get on the move. Yeah. Run. Run. Use your use your leap. You know, get get Harry I thought was really good at doing it on the night, getting up the ground, taking marks. He he annihilated Bolter. He was their, in, very big in the air. In there one on one. And you go, and that's fine. And it worked in that sense. But when they were anywhere near each other, yeah, they did, it, did, it did not one work another. at all. Yep. Um there's room for improvement. Forward fifties entry in general, and and I got to, I, I got to, we mentioned a few names earlier, and I'm actually going to, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, there's a bit of hypocrisy coming a little bit later on, but I got the note here that as poor as our small forwards were on the night, I mentioned earlier, thirty three um, four yes disposals between them, and I think Owies oh, kicked a goal, Fisher kicked a goal. No, there was two goals from the four of them. I am sympathetic to our small forward core because of the way we move the ball and the way our tall forwards compete. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I agree. Because if, if they can't sort it out between the two of them, how can the guys at their feet know What's where to be and what, where not to be? Yeah, you, you, You're introducing a variable that just shouldn't be there. And the balls, they have no certainty that because Harry's not too bad at it, Charlie doesn't really do it very often. Because they don't take front spot, the likelihood of the ball falling... Front and square. Have you ever heard that phrase in football circles, Tim? A little bit. There's the, the likelihood of the ball falling front and square is minimal. It, it, it's reduced. So you don't rock it. You know, tell Acker to get to the front. The likelihood you sort of going, oh, it could go anywhere. Like Fisher's goal is a result of the ball coming out sort of like nine o'clock. Yeah. You sort of going, oh, all's well that ends well. Just right place, right time, but you can't rely on that. You know, no. And, contest and after contest. So I am gonna, I am gonna slate them a little bit later on. I got some. Some, some harsh barley for them a bit later. But I am somewhat sympathetic to the way we are expecting or what we are expecting to get out of these guys when we're structuring up in such a way that it makes their jobs really, really hard. You know, well, we're just not giving them a great opportunity. Um, do you know what, Desmo, I've got another baseball one for you. Do, do you know what ERA is in baseball, Timbo? <sighs> Expected. 
return at bat no. or something like that. So ERA is earned runs against. It's a I way of know that actually, it's a yeah. way of measuring uh, pitches. Yeah, okay. pitches effectiveness. So what they do is they average out the earned runs scored against you per nine innings. Okay. So, so you want your number to be as low, low as, as possible. possible. Yeah, and, a, and like a good if you've got like an ERA of like three, you're elite. That's real good. Yeah. Okay. You know, three and a half. You know, between that kind of thing, it's, that's like geez, you're you're giving up three runs a match. That's very very good. So, when your bats aren't putting up runs, yeah, and I'll use the example last night. We put up fifty-eight points for our defense to to pitch against. Yeah, we put up fifty-eight. The, the points. bar was low. So you're basically saying you could have the best pitcher in baseball. You're giving him one run yeah. to defend. If you give him two, he's going fucking thank God. Yeah, yeah correct. If you give him three, he's going. This is comfortable. Yep. This is comfortable here, and it's not going to affect my plans on the mound and how I'm pitching to this guy, and I've got to worry about a guy on second base. I've got three ones to play with. It's all right. If you give him one, we gave, our, we gave him one run yep. to defend. And yep. in fairness, Richmond did the same to us, so credit to their defense. It's not good enough yep. in the front half of the ground to be putting up 58 points. Yep. It's no, not anywhere near good enough. We asked way too much. Saad, Newman, Weeders, Young, McGovern, Doherty, etc. We asked far too much of Cripps in the middle and Hewitt who had a good night. We asked far, far, far too much of everyone else yep. to defend a score that we should be putting up five more goals. Well, that should be a halftime score, shouldn't it? It's, it's just not anywhere near good enough. And that's yep. owing, we mentioned structure ahead of the ball and leaving too much to too few. That's owing to that, an inability to make full toll of inside 50s, an inability to take marks on leads, an inability to create space inside forward 50, an inability to create good looks at goal. Yep. And we can't do it. So who is, it? is, is Hamill our, is he our forwards coach? I actually meant no, to look No, I think he's up. more of a development coach. I still thought Hanson was, our, Hanson was certainly our forward line coach last year, as I understood it. Whether that's still the case or not, I don't know. But that can be some homework for during the week. Yeah, I meant, I meant, I even do, some of our listeners I do apologise for our listeners. I meant to look that up because I thought, Jesus Christ, if you're the forwards coach at Carlton at the moment, we need you to be doing a hell of a lot more. And we need yep. you to be doing your job a hell of a lot better. Yep. And you should be wanting to do it better because you've got some fucking weapons down there. Absolutely. Um, do you think... How do I want to phrase this? Do you think that... We play as a team, and I mean that specifically. Do you think we play as a team when we have the ball? I thought from where I sat last night and watching where some of our leads were coming when we were coming out of defence. It's more than just leads, though, isn't it? It's do we work to create space? Do we work to shepherd? Do we work to lengthen the ground or widen the ground? Do we open leading lanes? Do we dummy lead? Do we drop in and make it easier for you to get out the back? You know, Do you take someone across the ground? Do we work selflessly to make whoever has the ball or whoever's going to have the ball next, do we work to make their job or their life easier? I reckon when you watch Richmond's forward line and the amount of time some of their very, very good players get out by a dozen yards, you know there's plenty going on. And it may not all be legit, but at the end of the day, clearly those smart footballers are creating opportunities for themselves or for one another better than most, and um, yeah, I I think we can do better than that. I, I, I think I think at times we know how to 
interact with one another. We know how to wax with one another. We know how to bring other people into, into the game. I reckon sometimes when you look at our centre clearance work, there'll be a lot of blocking and creating because they know where the I reckon they know where the ball is going to go. Like if we get it on our terms, the guy who's going to exit is you know, player A, who it is. Let's say it's Matt Kennedy. Matt Kennedy will be the one that's exiting because that's the way that they're going to fashion it and everybody knows what your options are to make sure it gets there, whether it be after one handball, two handball, three handball. Do you reckon there's too much? I, I get worried sometimes, not all the time, but it's a watch for me for next week that – that we or players are, and they're not uh, like consciously necessarily, not consciously selfish. I'm not saying that, but there's this attitude of where do I need to be yep. to get the next possession? Well, and or how, it, how do I well, get? What's more, what's my responsibility in this instant? Rather and, than, and, and there are guys that are going. If the ball comes to me, I will do something with yep. it. But most of the time, it's I just need to create space for Knackers over there because he's the weapon. Jeez, Timbo's coming across here. Going, yep. If I just put a bit of body on his man coming the other way, yep. or if I give him open up a little corral, just a little lane, going, that makes his exit fucking 100 times easier. Yep. Away we go. I just Rather than, I think our players are more inclined in that instance to drop off and go, maybe he gives it to me. Yep. And where can I be the next impact rather than with the ball? Yep. Rather than where can I be to next impact without the ball? Yep. I don't need the ball to actually impress on this play. Um, we mentioned Vossi earlier, and just this got the caption here, uh, be who you are, not what you think people want you to be. And we mentioned Voss earlier in the, the proud and the comments after the match. And the, I, we use our little wrestling stuff a fair bit, but there was a classic angle in 2001 where they made the, the bad decision to make Stone Cold Steve Austin a bad guy again. And it was sort of, he wanted to do it and he'd been a good guy and they wanted to make him a heel and he did it and people just weren't, they just didn't really want him to be a heel. No. So no matter what he did, they cheered him. Like there was one episode where he brutally beat up a woman and because the, <laughs> they, they wanted him to get some heat and the crowd just loved it. Yeah, They just, no matter what he did, he just they couldn't make him a bad guy again. <laughs> but there's this great angle where Vince McMahon goes to him, he's in a bar and he's having a crisis of conscience and confidence and he's begging him to be the old stone cold. And he's begging him at the bar, I need the old Stone Cold, I need the, you know, the blah, blah, blah. And it's a classic bit and he ends up turning back up and beating the shit out of everyone and the crowd goes ballistic. It's on YouTube, it's amazing television. <laughs> but the point I'm making is I look at Michael Voss in these press conferences and I go, that's not Michael Voss. Yeah. I feel like going, that's, that's not one of the great leaders of all time. He's being just a bit... You're being a bit soft and cuddly yeah, and you're yeah, being a bit... And yeah. I get it, you're probably not being that behind closed doors. I hope you're not. I get it. But I'm watching you in these press conferences and I'm going, that's not you, mate. You're not sitting there smiling and going, this is okay and we'll be better for it. Going, don't do that. No. And, and the worst thing is, remember Teague, he, he changed too late? Yeah, he did. And when he gave them a bake, but they he didn't went accept too late. it. Yeah. And yep. you just went, mate, I feel like Vince McMahon at the bar. Yep. Just going, this isn't you. Yep. This isn't what people want from you. This, is what people, this isn't what people expect you to be. And, and I think you do hit the nail on the head of there is a persona that he's giving to supporters and the media. Yep. Um, it's not the same as what the players are seeing. So I, I think we have to have faith enough in there's a message behind closed doors and there's uh, an expectation of individuals. And, and, and realistically, you know, yeah, insert player here, Nick Newman isn't sitting in front of the replay of the... Um, Michael Voss press conference and going, oh, 
That's Vossi's message out of that no. game. He knows the message comes after they've broken down the game, they've got the yep. tape. They, they will have a thought, but they will have the vision that backs up what they're thinking. There will be a message and there will be learnings out of it. And and I, I've, we've long said our team seems to do well after quarter and half time breaks because if there's a correction to be made, they seem to be able to diagnose it on the fly and tell us what needs to happen and they can readjust. So I think game to game, I think that I, th- I feel like they're pretty savvy. They went in with a, a style that they thought we needed to play against Richmond, which was largely right but may have overcorrected. I have enough faith that there's smarts in that room that they're going to be okay mm. moving forward. But I think what we saw on Thursday night, we need we need to see a better version of an improvement from. And, just, and I think it, it can happen. It feels like a very calculated, and again, I don't mean that negatively because this is a guy that was striving for a second opportunity in the coach's box for 10 years. And he's ticked every box he needed to get that opportunity. But it feels like this const- it's a bit of a character. It's not who he really is. And who he really is, Michael Voss is an uncompromising, hard-nosed, super competitive, like bastard of a player. He is, but he's got brilliantly 40, skillful. He's got to have forty-five guys that no, no, are pulling no, no. in the same direction. No, he does, so he does have to keep them. So there, there, there's a. But there's this thing with me. I look at it and I just go, "Ever seen the Mighty Ducks movies?" Uh, I've watched a couple. You know when Gordon Bombay always went too far with the kids, and then he had that moment of, "I got to remember why I love the game." Yeah. And he would go yeah, and have yeah. a skate on the pond. And uh, in the second one, he went and cut some laps uh, with some rollerblades on. It was basically the same scene. Yeah. Vossi needs the inverse of that. Yeah. He needs he, to get in touch with his he needs, he needs angry to, side. He needs to get in touch with the... He needs to. He needs Scott Burns to clean <sighs> him up and go, is that the best you got? But that's that's Michael Voss. Yeah. Michael Voss isn't the guy in the press conference saying he's proud of a third failure to win a game in a row. Yep. And you're kind of going, I get what you're saying. I get who you're saying it for. But it's not you, mate. Yep. And it's got to the point where I'm watching and I'm like... And you know, I don't know who you're fooling anymore. Yep. And again, not even in a critical, I'm calling him a fraud. I'm not saying that. But it's like, it's not who you are. You're not giving the message I'm expecting you to give. Not at all. Uh, standards and sending a message. I've got the heading here. And I understand this is my hypocritical moment. So I'm bearing in mind that I was um, absolving our small forwards of any blame and letting them off the hook for their poor performance last night and said they should get a stay of execution but when we're talking about standards, when we're talking about messaging, when we're talking about a coach ruling the club, do enough players run out on the weekend with enough jeopardy? When you say jeopardy, what do you mean? Being dropped. I'll give you um, Jack Martin. Six touches. He had two inside 50s. He took one mark. He laid three tackles. Zachary Fisher had seven disposals, zero inside 50s, zero tackles, one mark on the ninth. Jesse Motlop, he had 10 disposals. Jesse Motlop is a more talented player than Maurice Rioli Jr. Rioli kicks goals. Does, very much does. Do we have enough jeopardy with enough of the players who are running out there on the weekend and when do they need a wake-up call? Well, you've got Corey Durden waiting in the wings ready to play straight yeah, away. But, but this is the thing. Corey, it's not like we're bringing in like Cyril Rioli. Yeah. It's not like we're bringing in a, Eddie Betts. It's not like the threat is 
Jesus, if this guy comes in and takes your spot, he's taking it for good. Yeah. No, and I think Corey Durden does do that. I, I, I would have thought the Matt Oes of the world would want to know that he's putting his best foot forward because, you know, he's he's played a fair bit of footy now and um, I'm and I question what he's got. Josh, Josh Honey's pre-season has been good. I think he's shown a little bit. So, again, is there the fear that this guy's going to take over and you're never going to get your spot back? With Honey, no. With Durden, maybe. Um I also don't want my players to play um, with fear that if they don't do enough, they'll never get another game again. No, it's I, not about I, never getting another game. Because I want them to take the risk. What and... did Ross Lyon famously do with uh, Nick, Del, Nick Del Sano and uh, Milne, I believe it was? Well, he dropped them. And, and then, what happened after that? Well, Nick Del Sano had about 47 touches in the twos and he, he went to another level and yeah. was the best thing that ever happened. I can't remember if it was Ratton. I can't remember who the coach was. Dropped Heath Scotland. Okay. And Scotto, I mean, I'm pretty sure it was Scotland, but he basically goes, someone asked him for a reaction and he goes, yeah, I've been playing terribly. Yeah. I've been, no, I mean, no good. And he went back and he, Brock McLean used to do it, Andy Carazzo used to do it. If he was dropped, they'd go back and have 35. Yeah. And he went, okay, good. Reset. You're, an opp- you're a chance. And I've got a name here for you, Timbo. The Give listeners know who I'm going to say. Did you see what happened at Punt Road Oval yesterday afternoon? Paddy Dow. Paddy Dow was best man on the ground, kicked four goals. Spearheaded an unlikely comeback. They're about six goals down at one point. It was seven goals to one at half time or something like that. Paddy Dow probably won't be in the mix next week. He might be given a token spot on an emergency list or an extended interchange or the like. He would offer us no less than Jack Martin does were he to play forward. Well, I, I, will, be fa- I will be fascinated. I, I've seen no vision. I've only seen the tweets. I'd be fascinated to know what the four goals look like. I've got, I've got some stats here for you. Yeah. I think Martin and Dow are about the same foot speed. I think it's much for muchness in terms of actual raw foot speed. Yep. Uh, I reckon Dow would be better in the clinch of actually riding a tackle, standing up in a tackle, finding a target. Yeah. Martin's best year in front of goal was 24 goals. That was at the Gold Coast. Yes. With us, he's kicked 12 Eight and twelve. Yep. Dow has kicked seven goals for us in his first two years each. Seven mm. from up against a guy playing permanent forward. Yes. Who's kicked twelve, eight, and twelve? Missed a bit of footy, admittedly. Paddy Dow, and I'm not saying he's the fucking cure for our forward ills. If Jack Martin is as ineffective as he was on last Thursday, next Thursday, yep, gone. He needs to go back. Yep. Fisher, if he's as ineffective next week against the Cats as he was against Richmond, gone. Get down to the twos. Give us something. Show us something. Be better. Paddy Dow could not have been – he could not have handled last year, I think, more professionally. Yeah, I agree. And, and he, at said, what I, he point, said, I'm going to fight for my position. And at what and point – And he's clearly had a good preseason. He's come out and kicked four in the first game. And people so. are going to say, oh, you're insane. Oh, it's Paddy Dow. You know, what I, you know what my image of Paddy Dow drifting forwards? Not bad. Pops I, up, takes marks. Well, and, and – Gets shots at goal. And if you're a good coach and you say, Paddy, this is your brief. And you know what else this he can do? This is your role. This is your responsibility. Just do that. You know what else he can do? Have a bit of a run at centre clearance. Yep. 
Matty Kennedy traits change with him. Kennedy can go forward for a little bit. Cripps can go forward for you know a couple of minutes to create a mismatch or a handover or get a bit more creative. This is that mad scientist fucking alchemy I've been talking about. Yep. Where maybe it doesn't work. Maybe it doesn't even look like working remotely. But what we've hitched our wagon to isn't working. Well, as you say, if you do need a change, and, and the hardest thing is have that core of players just had a bad game. Like we've all we've long talked about Zach Fisher as the barometer. And when he's on and he's working, we're going fantastically. He had a bad game, we scored fifty eight points. Is it is it is one due to the other? Are they mutually exclusive? When he has a good game, do we score 90 and win by five goals? I, I don't know. We spoke I about D- Tom DeConning and trading and the like. An aggressive team probably would have tried to trade Fisher. Yeah, possibly. Possibly. But then I think we've also... And, and look, you're right. Because I, I would say I look at our best version of Zach Fisher and I think when that player plays, we're pretty good. But then as you say... Do you, how do you, how, do you, how often does that happen? And, and how often the question is, how often does it happen? And if you cash that player out, what are you getting for him? I agree. I agree. Um, but now, if you're getting draft picks, we don't want draft picks. We we, we would need a ready-made player and, yeah, it'll be interesting. It, it, I agree. I agree. And that, the point I make here is the guys, I don't think there are enough boys that play in enough jeopardy that, geez, Moss, what's on the line here? I've got to actually be hungry every week and I've got to get out there and, and I can compete and deliver every week because if I don't, I'm gone. Absolutely. And I've got to fight my way back here. I've got to fight, um, you know, Spider Rico next week down at the Preston City Oval. Got to fight and fight for my life. I don't think that we have that. It'll be interesting. So, my boy, Harry Lemmy, did kick three goals. He kicked three goals. I've actually got the note here, and this is completely apropos of anything else. I thought, Lemmy's not in this boat. Brody Kemp is. And you know what I would say to Brody Kemp if I was. Carlton's, who if I was fucking Voss, I'd almost go to Brody Camp. You go, you're out of contract at the end of the year. Pretty sure he's out. Of, he's out of contract. Isn't I think he, he is. Yep. And I'd say to him, Brody, going, where do you want to play? Just go. What's your best position? Yep. Go. Where do you think you play your best footy? And whatever his answer is, I'd go. That's where you're playing in the twos. Yep. Going. I want to give you every opportunity, whether you're. Whatever position that might be, he determines. Going, ball's in your court. I want to play on the opposition best medium forward. You go, fantastic. You know, you're going to do it every week. Um, brilliant. Set yourself for that. Give him that challenge. And basically say to him, give him ownership of his destiny. Yep. That this is where you're playing. We're not dicking you around. We're not sandbagging you. Going, you're going to play exactly where you want to play, how you want to play. Do it. And if there's an injury in front of you, you'll, it's a like-for-like addition. Yep. 100%. I agree. Um, Timbo and I are getting a bit distracted. The football's come on. It's not good. I'm just trying to look at where Tom Hawkins was taped yeah, and, okay. and whether it was going to have the impact on his ability to be able to play next week. <laughs> um, we'll go quickly through the new boys, just to chat about the three new faces we saw last night. Um, Blake Akers, look, not a great moment at the end, not shying away from that. Um, he had to mark the ball. Yep. He had to be much better under the ball than he was. Um, and I say that as somebody who would be absolutely petrified out there. <laughs> so I'm not potting the bloke. Yep. Look, he was too far out to score. He would have needed to play on regardless. He wouldn't have known really how much time was left. It's, it hasn't cost us the match. But just as a, as a moment, 
I think he knew how much time was left, yeah, and is, as a result, he knew that he had to do it fast. Yeah, I, and he just didn't execute well, the first being, skill. I think you're being very gentle. I, I, I think that he, it's a bad moment. I think he rushed. I just think he rushed. You're being, yeah, you're being in the very, same Mitch McGovern when he took the first mark, or didn't take the first mark as it happened. I, I think, I think he was already onto the second and third phase of his play. He didn't yeah. complete the mark, and sometimes you just got to do one before you do two, three, or four. I hope our listeners can understand my murmurings and what they mean, how no, I no. interpreted it. Yeah, no, no, um, look, we spoke about Ollie Hollands earlier. Fan base loved this guy. Um, I need to stop reading about how far he ran. I don't. I don't care. That he ran 14.7 Ks. He had 11 touches. That's not good enough. Um, we need more from that. He's working way too hard for his disposals. Well, and I think last night what you didn't get to see enough of was guys running in space. No, no. So a guy that runs 14.7 kilometres, if you're running in the right way at the right time, you should be getting more yeah. time, more space, more time on your own with the ball and then being able to execute. I'm not we comparing did, him no, no. to Ed Langdon or the, the Langdons of the world. You know, a classy, like a steel side bottom type. But yep. that's the – he's a first-game player and we're not potting him for not being those guys after one game. Yep. Not at all. But you look at that and you go 14.7 Ks. You're going, Sam Walsh runs 14.7 Ks. Yep, and has 30. And and, and he's he's carving you up. And he's, he's, being a, he's being a menace on the outside and he's stretching the field. And again, first game, we're not hanging him. Don't get too over the top about the guy running a lot because we haven't hired him to, to run marathons. No, that's right. So, look, I, 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 is he a good kick? Yeah, is he? Yeah, he is. I reckon I've, I can. Yeah, okay. They had him playing off half bank back for Vic Country, racking it up, and they wanted the ball in his hands to be the guy that was the quarterback and executing. Okay. So I think they've always had trust in his well, skills. See, that's the issue again. There is that if he's such a good kick, we actually need to be getting him the ball. Yeah, well, that's right. You know, we can't be hoping that hoping that he somehow finds it. Yeah. Especially in his first game. Um, Lockie Cowan did some nice things, had some very encouraging one-on-one moments, um, only had the seven or eight disposals, I think, but as a little, as a small back, um, he had some good stuff against Shea Bolton at times, yep. which yep. was, which was nice. Um, I think there's something to work on there. I think he was a, whether he was a bit tight in a groin or, or a hip or something at the end of the game was subbed. Um, I think tactically he was a... Uh, as a, as a sacrifice, he sort of made sense given the state of the game and what we needed to come off the bench in, in Lockie. So. And, and, and I think you have to be able to recognise there are a lot of kids that get drafted that don't play their first game yep. um, until quite a while yeah. into their first, second, and sometimes beyond seasons. We've drafted these guys because we like them. We think that they add something to us and they complement our team well. They've come into the club. They fit in. They've worked hard, they've been given an opportunity and they've both re-signed two-year extensions to their contracts. So we're sitting there and going, we thought we knew what we were getting. I reckon to react as quickly as they have, they've gone, yeah, you are what we want and you've given us so much more as well. I agree. There's some encouraging stuff um, all around. But look, look, like from Acres, it's the 16 touches, I think. we That's unders. Look, it's unders. We, yeah, we it is unders. More. It's we, unders. We, we need a bit more. Um, Did I, you? Um, I, I think. See, for me, watching Acres, I thought you're an upgrade on Nunes. Well, how did you like his tackling? Um, he laid two tackles. Was it only two? So I reckon he he was he. I thought he used his body well, and he was physical. Yeah, uh, and, and which is some of the things that Jack Nunes wouldn't have given you. Like I, 
you wouldn't necessarily have Blake Akers on Cozzy Pickett in the last 30 seconds of a game against Melbourne, but I think you would get more out of Akers in that sort of situation than you're going to get from Jack. And Jack Nunes was a career half-forward flanker mm. come midfielder too. So we, we were playing him out of position. But I, I didn't think Shady was massive. Um, he had a couple of opportunities. He had that shot from on 50 where he swung a bit wide and he sort of got under the ball and it wasn't very convincing and it certainly didn't give me any confidence that he was going to kick 65 no. at the end of the game. Um, no, I agree. Uh, chicken salads have to start with the defence. Yes. Uh, when you're thinking about who your best players are and you spend a fair while in the back six, that's probably telling you something about how the game was played. Young was excellent. You know, Weedering was good for the most parts. Yep. It was a good duel with Lynch. Lynch probably maybe just shaded him, kicks 3-3. When you kick the goal that decides was, the result, it a, helps. There was a bit of handover at times too. Like, like, yep. like um, what's his face? Uh, like Young had the great moment to deny him in the one-on-one back to goal, yep. uh, which was nice. Um, McGovern had some, we mentioned him, had some horrendous moments, but also had some okay bits and pieces where you went, you know, you'll be better for the run, as we said. I thought Newman did a really good job. On um, he was the one. On uh, he, he what's, was his, what's his name? Dustin, Dustin Munn. Munn. <laughs> the all week, yeah. I thought, who are we putting on Dustin? And if they bring Dustin back to the goal square, who are we putting on him? You know, who who can run with this guy? Yeah, who's strong enough? Who can lay the tackles and stick him? Did we stick the tackles on Dustin Martin? No, no, we? no I thought Newman was was really he was really excellent. good. Um, he was absolutely excellent. I thought Saad did some good things. He did, which was good and very desperate things. Read the play, intercepted, reacted. He's, he's excellent at that. You'd probably prefer him not to have to do it as often as he does. Yep. Um, but he, he's good. And, and as we mentioned earlier, I think Doc had a, had a good night as well. Pushed up a little bit further. Kicked a nice goal. Kicked a lovely goal. <laughs> um, next chicken salad application. I thought particularly in the first half, and this is something I will not give the boys without any hesitation, fantastic application to the contest. Yes. Uh, a little bit untidy at times, but very, But that's very round com- one. Very committed. Round one is always... Un- Round one is is always it's untidy. Yeah, there's a lack of finish, and I think that though, and blokes go down with uh, cramps in the calf. And the only bloke I saw cramping was Morris Rioli Jr. It was. Oh, I think that's probably what made that start of the second half so frustrating. Was that our application and all that, and and, and our commitment to the contest, and and what was so good early. Yes, and you just went, geez, for it to be as lax as this for ten minutes straight after a break. Is ex- it's just so frustrating. Absolutely. Um, George Hewitt, our pick of the midfielders on the night, had yeah, a team high 28 touches, had a game high eight clearances. He's just a very, very good footballer. And and again, yeah, and we don't want to back over um, history and all that sort of stuff, but when you think about the midfield that we were able to fashion when we played Melbourne and we played Collingwood, Collingwood especially, when you played without Hewitt, and you played without uh, Kennedy, and you played without Walsh, and we got done by a point by a side that was one point from the grand final. You know, frustrating stuff. There, there are a lot of elements in it that you get frustrated by, but you sort of go, if we get to play right with our full complement, how Tim. dangerous can what, we be? What, what word did you just say? If. If. Yeah. If. What did you say? My grandmother had wheels, she'd be a bike. That's right. As Gino DeCampo famously said. <laughs> great uh, line. Kennedy, as well, Kennedy, was he was okay on the night. I thought he had a, not a bad night. Um, just works hard. Him and Graham was an interesting matchup at times. They were kind of trying to exploit one another going back the other way. Yep. And they were both kind of equally succeeding. It was quite a fascinating watch. 
It's like Kennedy thought, this guy can't run two ways. I'm going to exploit him. And Graham thought the exact same thing. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was interesting. Um, I thought Cripps lifted. We mentioned that earlier. Was he challenged? Not sure. But I thought his last quarter was really good. And that was sort of closer to what you his very lofty standards, I suppose. So, um, I actually thought that was probably one of the bigger positives out of the game is for too long, we only played well if he carried us. Yes. And while he was good in the last quarter, I thought in general, well, he, here is a guy that really has not impacted the game the way that you would normally expect. So to be able to still perform in spite of that, I thought was a real positive. I agree. And again, tidying off, we mentioned TDK. I thought he started well. He did. It just faded the longer the game yep. went on, but that's kind of... That's just the player that he is, and particularly in that position. Um, chicken shits. Start of the second half. We're just still just in, went missing. We're still in the rooms for ten minutes. We mentioned that misfiring forwards. Um, we don't get bang for buck, do we? What? No, you just got a warning come up in your screen. Oh, it comes up. It's fine. It's recording. No, that's fine. Just want to make sure we we're good. <laughs> um, misfiring forwards. You know, we don't get bang for buck. You know, figuratively and literally. Uh, which is very frustrating. Can't hold on. Let the game slip again. Well, as you said, you know, Harry Harry had two, for for a, a Coleman medalist, he had two very, very kickable shots on goal. Mm. The one from distance, he just didn't hit right, and you're going, that's going to happen. But the one around the corner, you can't, you can't miss that. Just go skinny. from this, mate. If you're, if you're better than a 45, just set shot it. Correct. Just set shot it. And I don't have a problem with him kicking around the corner. Yeah. I, I really don't. But as I've long said, if you're if you're going to miss that one, you're going to miss it on the far side Mate, because you're trying to give rate, it a chance to be able to get in. His success rate around the corners. I reckon good. when he's on song and he's confident and he's put a few through, he he's he's a very very uh, he's a very confident kick for goal. Mm. So when the confidence is on his right side, he 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 deals with that fine. And then the last chicken shit I had here was. Where to from here? Ultimately, this group has to will its way out and find a way to compete against a very impressive uh, Geelong outfit next week. And, that, and, that's exactly right. You know, um, however Geelong's round one game goes is obviously yet to be determined, but um, they're a good side. Um, they'll have no fear of us. No, and, 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 nor, and nor should they. Nor should they. So we've got to be ready to go and we've got to be prepared to go because last year we played and we rocked up and it was unfortunately... Not much of a contest, really. No, absolutely not. And so it, it, it actually it was one of those games that felt a lot worse than the scoreboard. Well, I, all week I I was so excited because I thought this is our chance to really prove, or just to see, just to test ourselves to see where we're at, and we failed dismally. So let's see what we've got. It's it'll be it'll be good to see. We're going to move on now to where is my where is my button? Hold on, I've changed them. Uh, no fab tonight to completely misunderstand this segment. We actually haven't uh, really, we actually haven't really wound fab up as much as I was anticipating, which is a little bit disappointing to be honest. It's better when he's in the room. It is better. We when love he, it when he he's in the room. He gets very prickly and very annoyed. Um, I had that guy, Les Grossman, telling me that, oh, this is why Fab doesn't like you and whatever. And it's like, I don't even know the guy. (laughs) (laughs) What are you talking about, you psycho? (laughs) It's like, you know when someone says something, they're trying to rile you up and you're like, that makes no sense. Yeah. (laughs) I actually can't even be annoyed or rattled by that because it doesn't actually, it's not even good. Um, My SI Morales Memorial Buster Nut Trophy nomination this evening goes to the entire defence. Well, I was going to, if I was going to sing... 
Single. Single. <laughs> I was going to say singulate, and then I realised I don't think that's a word. Um, it would have been Nick Newman. Yeah. But but the defence I thought was the story of the night. Yeah. No, they're they're my uh, nomination. I'm sure Fab probably would have nominated Jack Silvani. Despite it not being an outstanding game for Jack, he battled away in the ruck and it was it was a hard night for him. Um, that's one of my favourite things about Fab. He'll, he'll give him a shout-out for something like that, but when he's genuinely excellent... He'll miss him. He'll miss him completely. Yeah. He won't give him anything. It's it's, it's bizarre. Um, oh, and this last we've got the uh, the Johnny Rain Clouds. Just to, just to finish ourselves off here. Some Johnny Rain Clouds. The look Tim just gave, gave me... Was, I haven't thought about was, that one. I haven't th- thought of a Johnny Raincloud. We've only been doing the segment every week for <laughs> two years. That's a good point. Um, I've got a Johnny Raincloud, Tim Davis. Oh, well, my Johnny Raincloud is, you know, PTV and Heidelberg Station, yes, clearly. Yes, You had an issue with that. Yes. It does. Actually, can I just tell you the one thing about it out of everything, and yeah. obviously in the end I I decided not to take the train and I, I drove in and I got there with 90 seconds before the, the siren sounded for the start of the game. So it didn't matter. But while we were waiting for the delay, a complete empty train That's went through. And, and it's like, okay, you're going somewhere and you're going to start a shift mm. at a certain point at a certain time. It couldn't hurt to stick 300 people at the Heidelberg station and go, we're going to go to Clifton Hill. What about this, Tim? Round one. Expecting put a big more crowd. trains on. How about you put more trains on? I I couldn't. I honestly I couldn't believe it. Um, my Johnny Raincloud is the quality of Coca Cola coming out of the East Doncaster McDonald's uh, fountain soda machine. No good. Horrendous. Absolutely horrendous. If it's not too syrupy, and it's just basically just syrup, it's just soda water. <laughs> and it's like I just because you get it at the drive through with you. You drive off and you have a sip when you're, you know, 500 metres down, down the road. KFC or Red Rooster. But you have a sip when you're 500 metres down the road. Yeah, and you're like, shit. it's too late for this now. Yeah. I Is nobody at the restaurant going, Quality this, this, control. Isn't, this isn't right, this isn't mixed. Taking a sip of your Coke. Just taking a sip of it. <laughs> but no, but is no one at the restaurant getting Coke and going back to their table and sitting down and going, this isn't right. So this is rubbish, yeah, Mr. This, Manager. This actually isn't. Or Mrs. Manager. This, yeah, we were an equal opportunity uh, podcast. We are. Uh, but this actually, it's it's one of life's great little joys is the uh, Coca-Cola from McDonald's when I done right. Take your word for it. It's, what, you haven't had the fountain soda? It's delicious. No, nah, well, I, I tend to go the Coke Zero. So. Oh, but even then, it's probably not too dissimilar. Well, you kind of expect that to be semi-anemic, you know, anyway, because it is Coke Zero, mm. so. All right. That brings us to the end. Can I give a quick shout out? No, is it Brent Gleeson again? No, no, no. It's it's about we talk about David people Rostoff that are dead. Or something. There was a bloke that died this week, okay. and he was a giant of sport. Okay. And I don't know if you heard about. If I was to say, oh, was it the Minnesota Vikings dude? No. If there was one person who you thought of when when I said the high jump, who do you think of? Ah, uh, the um. Fosby flop. Correct. Dick Fosbury, yeah. who won the Olympic gold medal at the 1956 Olympics, passed away this week, and he was a person. You talked about being an innovator, mm. uh, and we need the next Dick Fosbury. We need the Dick Fosbury what of an forward lines. extraordinary thing for somebody to like. It's, it's one of those things where... Um, it was so out of whack to what everybody else was doing, yet wildly successful. Well, so when Saturday Night Live did their 40th anniversary show in, would have been 2015. Yeah. 
and Louis C.K. came out and introduced um, uh, like a, a clip show of the great digital shorts, so the actual produ- produced little vignettes. And he made the comment, he sort of said, these have become or you know, regarded as some of the more favoured aspects of the show throughout history, blah, 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 blah. And he kind of goes, makes you think you've been doing the show wrong for 40 years. <laughs> There's a show called Saturday Night Live and the most popular segments on the show are the pre Are the reruns. No, the pre-records. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is yep. been do- That's the same thing as Fosbury where it's like he comes up and does this thing and it's, why has no one else been doing this? Correct. We've been doing this stupid. We've been doing it the wrong way. The scissor kick, or the you see that the guys that do like the roll, they yeah, do that sort of dive, but they're diving over it like eight feet in the air, and you're going, "That's pretty talented." It's pretty good. But you're like you're doing it. But you've been doing it the wrong way. Yep. For how many years? However long. Ridiculous. Yep. That was a good shout out, Timbo. So dead. Death. We, lo- we, yeah. we love a good dead person dead. on the pod. Excellent, excellent. Thanks so much. We've got to the end of the show, which is good. I was going to do a mailbox, but I thought we'll save that. Well, I think a lot of stuff was happening on Twitter and we've covered off all the stuff saw, that and we look, and, and look, about, no, so. no, let me know if you want the mailbox listeners, if you want the mailbox every week. But I sort of, I don't know, and this is no disrespect to any other show or whatever, but there's just there's just a lot of mailboxes. I, I, yeah, well, there's that too. I, I just think we just need to see more footy to... There's um, that. There's that to, as, to be able to yeah. get to, to have reasonable questions to be asking. There's no. There's that as well. There's that as well. So it's sort of like if people like the mailbox and want it back and are happy for it to be there every week, you're like, yeah, cool. We're happy to do it. But I was sort of sitting there today and I was going through the episode and I sort of thought, yeah, there's just a lot of there's just a lot of that in this format. Well, we have gone an hour and fifty two minutes. But just across too, all so. the shows that are done, I was like, eh, I don't know. Um, so anyway, Timbo, always it. a pleasure, Sean. It's always a pleasure. To uh, Faber Ganoush, who's uh, not with us tonight, of course. Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Fabaganoush. I've put it on the. I've changed its spot on the dial, so I'm, gotcha. I'm still getting my head around these new positions. Um, well, we hope Fabaganoush and the family are well. We do, and we'll see him hopefully next week, and we'll hopefully see all of you next week as well. Go Blues. Goodbye. It's never quite enough. You're flawless Then you're in my love Don't forget to win first place Don't forget to keep that smile on your face Be a good to measure up make me
if you're perfect.